Hi, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to the Travel Talk podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and our team wanted to share one of our favorite episodes from the archives with you all. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Travel Talk podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I'm here with Ole to talk about Norway. Now, I'll have to admit, I'm slightly biased with this podcast. Ole's my husband, and we spend um, each time, a couple times each year, coming to Norway. So we both love it here. Norway's an incredible country. I think it's one of the hidden gems of Europe, partly because the landscapes and backgrounds and terrain of Norway is so unique. There's really no other place in the world you'll see except here. And what's really cool is a lot of Norwegians have integrated their lives around this benefit. They often spend weekends in cabins and really embrace the outdoors in a way that very few countries do. And it's really done in a, in a healthy, sustainable way, which is incredible. So Oli will be here to talk more about that. And we'll also cover a couple cities, including Bergen and Oslo. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Ole. Ole, how about you explain, tell us a little bit about yourself and which country you'll be talking about today. So my name is uh, Ole or Ula. Um, I'm here in Norway right now. I'm originally from Norway and I will be talking to you about Norway. And Surprise. where do you live Surprise. right now? Uh, I live currently in Los Angeles in Santa Monica. With me. Yes. So just for all our listeners here, Ole is my husband. <laughs> and I've kind of forced him into doing this podcast. Yeah. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So um, I grew up in a, in a town 10 minutes by train outside Oslo. Um, and I moved when I was 19. I moved to Canada to study at the University of British Columbia. Where we where, met. Yes. And uh, after five years there, I went back to Norway for a year um, to be in the military. And then I moved back to North America, this time in the U.S., um, to work in oil and gas at Schlumberger, where I was a field engineer for four years. And then I studied for my MBA, and I'm now an investment banker. You probably have a lot of friends from school that constantly ask you about Norway. Yeah, a lot of people ask me, uh, uh, what should I do in Norway? I'm going to Norway. And I'm like, great. And they're like, uh, yeah, I have two days. What should I do? Ole just rolled his eyes. <laughs> <clears throat> I think everyone, when someone says they're going to visit your country, they'd say, okay, you need two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six months, whatever. Um, uh I'll try to cater it to a little bit more realistic expectations, but um, uh, I think one thing that I realized was after my year in the military where I was uh, up north in the Arctic, I think if you have anything more than a week in Norway, I think uh, that's where I would go, especially in the summer. But what did you recommend to this friend who only had two days? I'm assuming he was just in Oslo? Yeah, so we actually have this um, super touristy thing called Norway in a nutshell. And if you have two days in Norway, I think that's probably what I would do. Um, so Norway is, you know, a really long country from north to south. I think it's further it's further from Oslo to Kirkenes than it is from Oslo to southern France. So, you know, if people say, oh, I'll just uh, drive across the country, yeah, you can't really do that because... You know, that would be a two-and-a-half-hour flight. 
So what does Norway in a nutshell cover? So Norway in a nutshell is this little tour where you start in Oslo, you take the train across the country um, to this village called uh, Finsa, which has, in the winter, it has the worst weather ever. Um, the roads are always closed. Uh, they filmed the, um, uh, I think it's Emperor Strikes Back there with the, oh, yeah. with the crazy animals. Um, but there's a there's a train that goes there. It's like really really steep. It's called the Flomsbana, and you can take the train down to the ocean uh, in a place called Flom, and then you take a little cruise in the um, in the fjords, and then you take a bus um, back to the train again, and you take a little train to Bergen, and then you're in Bergen overnight, and then you take the train all the way back to Oslo. So, you know, you see quite a few things, and you. You're on this train, which has a beautiful view all the time. Um, my wife has taken the train probably three times, but she never seen anything because she just slept. Hey, <laughs> that's slightly true. But I think you get to experience quite a bit of Norway in just two days uh, doing this thing. And what? Why does? Why is that better than just spending a couple of days in Oslo? Because Norway. I mean, you can stay in a city, and I think the city is nice if you live there, but. There's really nothing, you know, special about being in a Norwegian city compared to being in a, a Paris or Berlin uh, or London. If you're if you're going to 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 stay in a city, I think there are better places to go. Uh, Norway is really more about the outdoors and um, not so much the wilderness, but at least the the mountain towns and maybe the fishermen's villages in the north or in the west side. Um, so if you just stay in Oslo, which, you know, is the capital, um, I think Bergen has more to offer than Oslo as, as like a two-day tourist because, you know, it has the mountains and the fjords uh, all at once. Uh, and I think since Oslo is the most accessible city, there, if you stay two days, there's a very big chance you'll just kind of miss out, and Norway just becomes like another, another city where you just spend two days and you didn't really understand. You kind of just check a box. Yeah. One thing, like, just for our listeners here, so just for your context, I lived in Bergen brief, briefly, and I love your point, Ole, about how Bergen maybe might be a great city to visit. Um, in my opinion, I thought that there was a really good integration of the nature and the wilderness and the outdoors into the existing cities. I think that's very unique to Norway. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, each city has a lot to offer. Bergen, I think, is a pretty good city to, to spend like a few days um, because you, you get to be in a city and you can go hiking. There's It's called the, mount, the, the city of seven mountains and seven seas because you have uh, multiple fjords going into the city and you have mountains surrounding the entire city. And uh, two of the two of the mountains, you can take a, a cable car up, or like one of these uh, trams, and you can go hiking, and you can hike like multiple mountains a day, and then go just go back and be in the city the same day, which I think is appealing if you're, if you know you know you want to stay in a hotel and things like that. So you know that's one solution. The other solution is, if you're in Norway, chances are you know you might be there for a reason. And if you know someone, chances are they have one of these cabins, which we'll call hytta. And it's either by the ocean or in the mountain. And it's kind of in the middle of nature. 
and you can stay a few days there and kind of just experience nature. Preferably, if you have a Norwegian host family, they can kind of explain a little bit more about it. But either way, um, I think being in the middle of nature is is a better depiction of what what you can experience in Norway. Let's talk more about that. Where are we right now? Like, where is this podcast being conducted? Just to set the set the tone for our listeners. So right now we're in a we're on the eastern part of Norway, um, which, if you look on a map, is in the very far south. But we divide Norway into east, west, south, middle, and north. And the middle is much further south than halfway. But that's just how we say it because that's where everyone lives. But we are in a mountain town called Budur, and we're at my parents' cabin. And the electricity just went out, so we're sitting here. This is a first uh, for us. Around candlelights in front of the fireplace. And we just went uh, skiing. So we're just, uh, you know, having a really nice time relaxing around the fireplace. Yeah, the fire's burning. Um, We have the candles lit. So there's and your dad's currently shoveling snow because it's snowing pretty hard and your mom's cooking. Uh it's four PM. The sun went down about two hours ago. Yep. <laughs> That's a Norwegian's winter. <laughs> That's a Norwegian winter. But on the other hand, if you're uh if you come in the summer in June or July and you go up in the Arctic, you can go to the bar and you can walk home at two AM and it's sunny. I would love to talk a little bit more about this. I think this whole concept of having it dark all winter and bright all in the summer is a very novel to Norway. And I think sometimes winter gets a bit of a bad rep. It does. And um, I think people think of darkness in terms of how they experience it where they live. So, for example, in Los Angeles at 7 p.m., it just gets dark. And then by 8 p.m., it's pitch black. Um, whereas in Norway, it gets gray and it just stays gray. Um, in the winter time, when there's snow, the snow reflects light perfectly, and people have lights on on the outside of their houses, uh, especially around Christmas time. Uh, people love the light, so uh, it's surprisingly not so dark in the winter time, and in the summertime. It's not dark at all. It never gets dark. What makes it... What? Why would your parents have two cabins? Like, why would they have a summer cabin and a winter cabin? Like, why stay... What's the difference between a winter cabin and summer cabin? So the winter cabin is uh, preferably up in the mountain because uh, contrary to popular belief, it's not always freezing cold in the winter. It usually rains and it snows and then it get, becomes sunny and then it rains and it snows and it becomes sunny and it just changes. And so if you're in the capital, Oslo... I think we have a white Christmas about one year out of four, something like that. Uh, And you just can't rely on being able to go skiing um, in a city. So if you want to go skiing, which um, we all like to do, you would like to have a mountain cabin. And why would you just have a cabin and not just rent a place? It's because you want to spend every weekend here if you can. And you want to be in a place where you can just walk out of the cabin with your skis and be in the slopes. So your parents live in Oslo and the cabin, we're currently in the cabin. How far is the drive between the two? So I think it's two and a half hours. So not terrible. 
Uh, it's not great, but it's pretty good. I think um, we used to live on the other side of Oslo, which made it about an hour and a half. Um, but still, it's manageable if you leave work at uh, 3 p.m. on a Friday, which a lot of Norwegians do. Mm-hmm. Then you have two full days of skiing. So you just talked about how it's great to have that accessibility to be able to ski. Uh, what kind of skiing are you referring to? So I'm referring to cross-country skiing. The skiing. We call it... Uh, um, skiing. Well, we just call it skiing, yeah. Because that's the main one. <laughs> As opposed to alpine skiing or downhill skiing, which is More what American. we call slalom skiing. Yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that because I remember my first time coming here. I think I almost cried when I first cross-country skied. I was so discouraged. Um, But it's really incredible. I've really warmed up to it. I would love for you to kind of tell everyone a little bit more about why cross-country skiing is so special here. I think it's because um, of the history and the utility you can use with skis, like as a practical matter. Uh, For example, in the... uh, in the Viking era, um, one of the Norwegian kings was, um, uh, he managed to escape um, as, a, as a baby on, like, with, um, on skis. He was just carried away and uh, no one could find him because uh, it's like probably the easiest way to just move around the mountains or in the forest in the wintertime. Uh, secondly... I think that was one of the ways uh, Norway fought the Germans in World War II. And, of course, um, it's pretty cheap to to just put some wooden planks down and you're able to actually make a sport to to go around in in the wintertime. Of course, skis aren't free anymore, but, you know, once you have the skis, skiing itself is free. You don't have to pay any fees it's not $100 a day to go cross-country skiing. It's it's free. Yeah. I, let, let talk, let's talk more about that. So walk through what a typical day is here at the winter cabin. So a typical day at the winter cabin here is we wake up maybe at 9, 10, have a nice breakfast, uh, go out skiing for three, four hours. Straight from the house? Straight from the house. Uh, we'll, and where are these just like in the woods? Or are there groomed trails? Like, Tell me more about that. So a lot of um so these this cabin we have is next to about I'd say 100 other cabins so um within you know skiing distance uh so we can just ski straight out of our cabin and we ski into groomed trails and there are groomed trails that go from here probably uh 50 miles in in two three different directions and uh so you can ski to a different town, you can ski to a different mountain village, uh, and you can ski in circles, so you can ski 10, 15, 20, 50 kilometers if you like. And it's all groomed trails, so that's particularly useful if you want to ski classic skiing, so um, you don't need to to be knee-deep in powder, um, that's traditionally not how we like to ski, we like to ski in tracks. There's a utility to it. Yeah. So after we're done skiing, what happens next? Uh, then we go back to to the cabin, usually watch some winter sports on TV, either biathlon, ski jumping, downhill skiing, or during Christmas time, uh, chess. 
And Magnus is doing well so far. Magnus Carlsen is uh, currently leading the uh, speed chess championship. And then what else? And then we have dinner and play card games or Monopoly or something like that. I know in the U.S. there's this, oh, just for everyone's knowledge, the fire is crackling in full full flames right now. Um, but in the U.S. there's this huge trend called Higa Ula. Can you talk, tell everyone a little bit about what your thoughts are on Higa and maybe how that hap- relays into your, our time at the cabin? So Higa is when you just feel very at peace and relaxed. And right now, this is the kind of epitome of Higa, just being in a nice warm cabin right in the middle of winter, just looking out in the forest, and you have candlelight about around you. You're next to a fireplace, and you're just drinking a glass of wine. Um, it's just... And and feeling like you're resting because you've been doing physical labor or or workout. I feel like that's the best part of the cabin, is after two hours of skiing, normally me struggling and everyone else killing it, <laughs> you come back and it's just the most relaxing experience ever. Exactly. So I feel like the coziness in the Higa really encompasses the winter cabin. The summer cabin, I feel like, has a different feel. Can you tell me a little bit more about like summer? So uh, at our summer cabin, at least, um, it's not a very big cabin, but it houses maybe um, 12, 15 people. Um, and it has uh, six... How many rooms does it have? Well, it has a lot of rooms, but they're all really tiny bedrooms. And is that normal? It is normal because um, you don't really spend much time indoors in the summer. You, well, us us as Norwegians, we really love the sun, and <laughs> in the summer, for the, for the for the month of July and August, there's a lot of sun, and so we want to maximize the sun and. You know, even though this country is really far north and especially, you know, in the fall and the spring, maybe the weather kind of sucks, has a lot of rain. But Norwegians aren't deterred by the weather. We're not deterred by the weather, but when it is sunny, we want to really maximize the weather. And so we kind of live outside. Uh, We go tanning. We go on the boat. um, We go water skiing in the ocean because it's an inlet, so it's calm enough so you can go water skiing. Uh, we go for a run, we go cycling, we do anything you can do outdoors, volleyball. Um, you tell me, what's your experience? It's almost like, in some ways, it's like the process is the same as the winter cabin. You get up, you have a good breakfast, you swim, you go for a run, you come back, and you're like, it's very similar, but all outside. Yeah. Even the dinner's outside. Yeah. When do we normally have dinner, Ola? Oh, so we barbecue in the summer. Always. Always. Uh, Dinner, maybe 8 p.m., 9 p.m., but I think that's because we kind of are more of continental Europeans when it comes to dinner time in my family, but uh, in working life, Norway, dinner is more like 4.30, 5 p.m. I feel like because the sun sets so late in the summer... Everything is delayed, like dinner's later in the summer, or we eat longer until it starts to get dark, and that's when you have the wines and the after dinner drinks. 
I think it's because we can. Sometimes we have four meals a day. You have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and supper. There's just so much day. That's right. What you're recommending is making sure that you don't skip skip the cities and focus instead on going to the small remote places and the cabins to get a true Norwegian vacation. I think you should at least dedicate two, three days to leaving the city. And so that means if you have five days, then you should spend no more than one or two of those in the city. Yeah. And this is what locals do. This is where all the Norwegians who work in Oslo, live in Oslo, go on their weekends. Yeah, especially long weekends. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Let's shift gears and talk a little bit about Oslo, because I do think Oslo is very central. It's an international airport with probably, it's the largest airport in Norway. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very accessible, and it's also a fairly famous city. So I definitely know friends who maybe stop here for a couple of days en route to somewhere else, like Stockholm, for example. Um, If you're only having two days in Oslo, like what what do you recommend? So the thing about Oslo is there's probably 25 cool things you can do, and I don't really think there's like, oh, if you didn't see these two things, then you didn't really see Oslo. So, I mean, there's one thing I always recommend is to see the Viglans Park, which is uh, a sculpture park. It's one of my favorite places in Oslo. Yeah, and I think it's it's just really interesting to see uh, all these sculptures of people, uh, angry people, uh, happy people. It's very hard to describe. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely recommend for our listeners to look it up. But for, for sake, just for the sake of it, can you describe a little bit of what this park looks like and why it's so entertaining? Uh, well, that's, there's this one statue with a dad or a man, and he's like kicking a baby on, with his left foot. I think and he's, he's punching a baby with his left foot. He just has like five babies, and he's like juggling the babies, it seems like. Yeah, so just to explain. And that's this- a real statue. The tallest statue is called the monolith. It's 80 meters, and it's all uh, people essentially like hugging in a big column, it's, and it's a lot of people in this statue. So you, you get a mix. You see the love. You see the humor. It's, uh, it's entertaining, to say the least. Uh, the other thing I'd recommend is to uh, spend a day at Akebrygge and uh, Schuvholmen, which is the one of the like most developed uh, areas in the center of Oslo. Um, and they have a lot of restaurants, they have shopping districts, and it's right on the waterfront. And you get a really nice view of the Akershus Castle. And just because I think it's a nice area and you can easily spend like a day there and you can, and it's a nice place to spend your time. If you have a hotel, you can go back there every day and every evening and there's enough restaurants for several days. Uh, it's also close by to the castle and other random things you can walk around and see as well as the castle, of course, which you can walk around as well. And Norway still has a monarch. Uh, yes, we have a king. His name is Harald. Uh, and so they're living in this in the castle. Uh, yes. I don't know. I think that's something that's quite cool. <laughs> it's not a relic from a previous era. So for a lot of people, I think when they think of Europe, they think of Berlin, London, Amsterdam, Paris. Why would somebody come to Norway? All the interesting things about Norway and how incredibly developed it is as a country compared to maybe what it was 50 years ago. Um, I think Norway had the first uh, 
3G, the first 4G, and the first 5G uh, mobile network. We have, you know, the most, um, I guess it seems like it's the most road tunnels in the world. We have the longest road tunnel in the world. Because of all the beautiful scenery, all the mountains and fjords. Yeah, it's not so easy to to just drive across the country. Like I said about Finsa, the road's always closed, which is why the main road doesn't go that way. Um, but the but the, the train does. Um, however, you know, because we also have, we're the biggest uh, oil and gas exporting nation in, in Europe. We provide the majority of oil and gas to the UK, for example. So all that's cost a great deal of wealth and development in Norway. So we're also, you know, the number one best place to live in the world. And I think it's interesting to have uh, understood and seen this place firsthand. And and I think if you spend some time here and, and try to understand the experience of the, the hitta and, and why people... Uh, are able to enjoy life as much as we do. I think that's that's worth experiencing. Um, you talk about how Norway and the landscapes are some of the most incredible in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, can do you have? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, for me, it's difficult to understand how nice it is because I grew up um, living with it. Uh, however, whenever I go to the western part of the country, it's always a little bit more. Um, awesome than the eastern part uh however i think the coolest experience and kind of understanding of how pretty it is is when i go there with foreigners but um i think it is even more incredible if you go to northern norway there's a group of islands called the lufoten islands and if you have a google chromecast um every now and then you'll get pictures from Lofoten Islands, where you have uh, jagged mountains right next to the oceans, and you have houses on stilts right next to, to to this again, and so you don't really need like untouched nature. You you just you just you can be right in the middle of it, living your life in your house right next to the mountain, right next to the ocean. People live literally everywhere. It's very strange, but um, if you're on the road just driving across the country at least every 10 minutes you will see at least one house like there there is no middle of nowhere really yeah there's definitely yeah uh, every, uh, you can live anywhere here uh you can awesome well cool well thank you tusen tack till kommer här ola varsågod i know a little norwegian after spending some time with ole um awesome well thank you so much thank you Thanks for tuning in, listeners. And just a reminder, the Travel Talk podcast is uploaded every other Wednesday. Please tune in to our next episode and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks.